This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook invests in building and teaching designers using the best tools for the job. I asked product designer George Kedenberg what he's learned about design since working at Facebook. Everyone brings something to the table. There's lots that you can gain from other people's insights and perspectives and um, just different ways that people think about things that, you know, um, those are important, especially when you're trying to design for something for the world. You need to kind of bring in all of those outside inputs. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Syracuse University is looking for a web analytics architect. Mapbox is looking for a front-end engineer. Vox Media is looking for a platform design director. And here at Revision Path, we're looking for design writers as well as a brand marketing strategist. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts and when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Join more than 15 million people who use MailChimp to not only send emails, but to grow their businesses on their own terms. Start sending professional-looking newsletters to your clients today for absolutely free. MailChimp, send better email. When you have a great idea for a project, you need to give it a great domain name. And guess what? Finding the perfect domain name is ridiculously easy with Hover. Hover has over 400 domain extensions, including classic ones like .com or .net. They've got niche extensions like .design or .tech. And they even have quirky extensions like .pizza, .ninja, and .horse. Once you find your domain, you can use Hover Connect to easily set up your domain with your website in just a few clicks. Find a domain name for your idea. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your purchase. Again, that's hover.com forward slash revision path. Hover, domain names for your ideas. SiteGround's hosting services are crafted for professional, business, personal, or enterprise projects. So whether you're building something custom or you're using a CMS like WordPress, SiteGround lets you build better, faster, safer websites more easily, and they offer multiple hosting options that your websites can grow into. And we've got a fantastic deal for you here. Visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with Tony Patterson, creative director and founder of Sky Media Group. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Tony Patterson. I am the owner of Sky Media Group, which is a 
brand management and web design company in Baltimore. I am a creative director, so I do more than design. I do more than websites, but I also help um, my clients strategize what they're going to do in their business, how they're going to get a get it accomplished, what it's going to look like, and how they can continue to grow it. Tell me about how you started Sky Media Group. A few years ago, well, about maybe seven years ago, I had always toiled with the the idea of just wanting to learn website design. I think it was just that whole era with like MySpace and Black Planet when social media was just starting to pop. Mm -hmm. And at the time when MySpace allowed you to use HTML on your profile so you could change the colors and the music and everything. And I just really like kind of that instant kind of microwave type of situation where I would change something and you could see it immediately. But I did not pursue web design because I, I didn't go to school for that. So I was just afraid. I was afraid of failing, of even trying. But after having a, a few pep talks with one of my friends, she was just like, you know, you just need to go do it because we've been talking about this too long. So just do it. And that's what I did. I kind of taught myself online through Photoshop tutorials and going through the whole what you see is what you get type of website design programs. But I knew that I wanted to, to do more than design something pretty. I wanted to dig into the functionality of it and really learn how to develop websites. And so Sky Media Group just kind of took off from there. Um, and now we do websites and brand management. Nice. And I know that you've been in business now for a good while now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, about seven years. Seven years. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> what What do you know now that you wish you would have known when you were first starting out? <laughs> that there was an entire community of experienced designers that I could connect with. Because at the time when I was building my business, it was just me. I didn't have any community. I didn't have any design friends. I had a small group of supporters, and that was really my sister and and a few other friends, but I didn't have anybody to help me figure this out. So I really did a lot of trial and error on my own, and that's kind of even, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because at the time, I did need help. And actually, a developer in the Midwest, he had pity on me in one of the LinkedIn groups that I was in because I was asking a bunch of CSS questions, and he wound up helping me to learn CSS over the course of a year. It was all remote help, and but I still did it alone, even though he helped me. And it, it was kind of blessed of a, a blessing and a curse because when I look back, I said, "Oh, I could have really benefited from linking up with other designers," but that has kind of um, served me well now because I'm still a solo artist, mm-hmm. and I like having that one-on-one personal time with my clients to really dig into my own gut and heart when it comes to designing for them. So I don't have all of this other stimuli to to put ideas in my head about, you know, doing this and that. I just kind of do things intuitively based on my client's goals. And now speaking of that, how do you choose your clients? Because what it sounds like to me is that it's super important for you to get to know your clients kind of on that personal level and have that personal connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure, you know, like everybody that, you know, contacts me doesn't become a client. Right. So 
I have to kind of assess if they're even ready to work with someone like me, because in order for me to do my best work, I need them to kind of step it up and kind of open up their mind and their heart to the process that's about to happen and to open up their schedule because it is a time consuming process and we want to keep the momentum going in designs and brand um, identities and not let them lag behind. So first I have a, a form that is kind of an intake form and based on that, I'll schedule a conversation with someone and from that conversation, I can tell if they're ready to work with me Usually I'll give out a few suggestions about things and kind of see how they're taking it, if they're ready to move forward or if they're still hesitant. And I'll, you know, say, well, maybe we need to do this first or maybe you should go back and think about this first before you start this process. Because a lot of times clients, they want to do things or potential clients want to do things, but they're not ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean there. I get a fair amount of leads that come in and sometimes they're just so ready to get to work on the project mm-hmm. that they don't want to sort of take that step back to say, okay, I know you're ready, but we need to kind of have a conversation first and then maybe put together a proposal and send out contracts before we just sort of like jump right into the work. And like you said, everyone mm-hmm. that contacts you doesn't become a client and something that's really important that you mentioned. And hopefully for folks that are listening, if there are any people out there that have not worked with a designer before it is a time consuming process yes <laughs> it's, it's not just something oh, yes. where you can just hand off okay I, I need this project done here it is like we need you to work with us throughout the project yes. as well exactly exactly because it's not my project although every project that i do i consider it my baby and i take a thousand percent ownership of it it's still not mine so i can't be more vested in your project than you are right now, taking all of that into into consideration, are there certain sort of types of clients that work best for you, like small businesses or anything like that? I think, and, and I've thought about this myself because in trying to target markets and clients that would really appreciate my aesthetic is kind of hard. So when um, potential clients contact me, I listen to what they say about me to let me know if we would be a good fit. Mm -hmm. So it's not a particular industry. I work with um, nonprofits, event planners, bloggers, beauty professionals, even though beauty professionals actually contact me a lot. But it just depends. So they're really looking for someone that can put all of their fabulous ideas into one cohesive design. And it sounds kind of general, but usually they have like these huge requests. Mm -hmm. They want a particular layout. They want to be able to generate income this way. They want their online store to look like this. They need it to look artistic. So I think it's kind of the artistic piece that is the common thread among the clients that contact me because even though the designs are different, even though it's not like this big uh, fanfare where you have, you know, grunge hair and paint hair and all that other stuff, it's just kind of like a, a sophisticated artistic element that they're looking for, even in a simple design. I've had people tell me that even though all of your websites look different, I can still tell that you did it. I don't know what they mean, but I think <laughs> I kind of try to look at my work and try to figure out the common thread. But I really don't want to say this, but it's like I think I have a heavy design hand. So 
you know, for example, when my mother used to do my hair, you or you used to get hit by your mom or something or whatever, because I used to get popped. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a heavy hand. <laughs> so that's the, you know, you know, I know you know what I mean. I know what you mean, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think my design hand is heavy. So I look into the details. I cross every T dot, every I, make sure every bit of a website that can be designed or every piece, I put a, a piece of design on it. I don't just leave things plain. If that makes sense, I got you. And and now a lot of the work that you've done, you know, looking through your portfolio, it's it focuses on branding. Is that something that sort of came about throughout the years that you found that the focus has shifted towards that? Yes, and in retrospect, I realized that is what I was doing without even knowing what it was called. And that's where that community would have been helpful because I was creating brand identities a long time ago, even in the beginning, but not even knowing what I was doing. I helped um, my clients with strategy, giving them ideas for how to build their business, but also creating these cohesive visuals that was a common thread through everything that they really did. But I didn't know what it was. And now for those that are are listening, can you sort of tell me what do you define as branding? Because I think for for some people, they might think branding is, is just a logo. No, it's, it's not just a logo. Your logo actually identifies your business. It's just one piece of your identity. But I think of branding as mind control. So you're kind of, you're not kind of, but you are shaping your viewers' mind to what you want them to believe about your business. So that's why it's really important to focus on one type of design pattern message so that everything can be cohesive. So how you want your viewers to view your business or how you want customers to view your business is how they actually see it. So you can't say that you are a sophisticated business owner when someone goes to your website and they is is missing pictures or there are no pictures or they don't know who you are, there's misspellings, or they see you in person and you're supposed to be this sophisticated person, but you dress sloppy, you're not put together. So branding is not just your logo, it's not just your website, it's it's your entire persona. And I say persona because you do have to give people what you want them to see so that it can further reinforce your brand identity. What's one thing that you see a lot of businesses doing wrong with their brands? Trying to do it themselves. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing, uh, with kind of creating your brand identity yourself. But I still think that you need guidance in, in even what you put out. You need some type of strategic session. You need a coach. So if you're committed to creating your own visuals, that's fine. But don't be afraid to get feedback when you're creating your visuals. And also, it's a difference between wanting to learn the process and doing it yourself and just being cheap. So I think that (laughs) I do find potential clients or business owners or budding entrepreneurs, in an effort to save money, they're looking cheap. Mm. And when you say looking cheap, what do you mean by that specifically? I mean, homemade logos, it looks like Oh, so not not necessarily the quality, but just the amount of money they're willing to spend on the brand. I think that the two are related because 
my mother already said, you get what you pay for. So I can tell the difference between somebody who paid, somebody who did it themselves. I can kind of even tell how much money they spent when I go to look at people's website. I'll say, oh, yeah, they spent good money on this. Or say, oh, they need to go back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. Because I can just tell there are things that are missing. There are details that professional designers, they don't miss. And so when you, the devil is in the details and that's how you can tell the difference between somebody who just kind of um, saw something that they liked that somebody else did and say, oh, I'm going to kind of do my, my website like this. They're, they're a blogger and they're, they blog about natural hair. So if they do this, let me do this. You can tell when it's not genuine because there are elements that are missing. There are details that are missing. Yeah, there's a, a design group that I'm in and I think someone had sort of asked the question. They were like, post any logos that you've done and talk about, I guess, the price that you charge for them. I understood that because it's like trying to find what might be, quote unquote, industry standard price for something like a logo or a brand identity. I sort of get that. But also, it also depends, I think, on on kind of pricing the client as well, because oh, yeah. it, it's not so much, I think, about the design or the cost that you think it took to build it, but what is that client going to do with it? Is it just going up on their website or is it going on packaging? Is it going on t-shirts? How do you sort of, I guess, price the client in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and see, I don't have, I do value-based pricing. So I do it based on results. So if your business goals are to, you know, have an online store and you want to go to trade shows and you want to really put your products out there, then I charge you based on that, not on, you know, a competitor's price. And you, my prices are results driven. So it's like, these are the results that you're going to get after you work with me. And because you're going to be making money off of this, this is what I charge. Right. And which is why I don't charge per flyer or per logo. I don't, even offer those services because it's not really a holistic perspective when it comes to brand identity Mm -hmm. in order to really connect with your market and share your story and dare them to you. You have to dig a little deeper than just a flyer design or business card design. You have to be able to tell a story in your online and offline presentation. I agree with that. I, I know that that's something that some designers kind of start off with doing these smaller kind of flyer designs and stuff, but that can mm-hmm. often be a trap. Mm-hmm. You end up getting, mm-hmm. because because it's not even so much that you're just trapped into doing that one type of thing, but that's how clients, potential and current, view you as. They don't view you right. as anything more than being able to just design flyers. And so in that case, that's the only kind of jobs that you get. Right. Mm-hmm. And those actually take just about as much effort to do than, you know, Anything else, at least from my perspective, it's like somebody giving you, you know, you have a timeline or from A to Z and they're giving you something at M. Well, what about everything before that? Like, how can I design for you when I don't even know you? Right. This is true. This is true. So for you, what's the best way to find work? I don't really find work. People find me online uh, through Google, through referrals, through Instagram. So I don't really search for clients, I think, because I have a set amount of clients that I work with every month anyway. So if I'm at capacity for a few months, then, 
you know, some people that say, well, oh, you should always be closing a deal and, and finding more, finding more clients. And, you know, but see, I don't believe in having a wait list because I don't want to put somebody else's dreams on wait. Mm. You know, I'll say, you know, I'm, you know, booked until like May or June. And if their deadline is within, then I'll, you know, refer them to someone else or say, you know, you can wait if you want, yeah. but I don't prefer that they do that. Talk to me about how you use Instagram to, to market your business. I'm curious about that. I really don't use Instagram to market my business. I just post the stuff that I like. So it's my Instagram and I'm actually a late bloomer on Instagram. I think, I don't know how long it's been around, but I think I've been on Instagram maybe two or three years. Okay. And I know it's been around longer than that because I was really against going on Instagram on any social media, actually. And it's funny because that's what I you know, promote a lot. But my Instagram has actually taken a, a few um, revolutions. And I just said that I just want to start posting, highlighting my clients more so than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as my, you know, Instagram progressed or whatever, I started posting a little bit more pictures of myself because I've realized that people, they want to know who is behind this business. They might, you know, yeah, they see my profile picture, but people, they want to see who you are. They want to see who they are investing their money in, who they might want to work with, who they might want to collaborate with. So when I post my client's work or some type of selfie or me going out, people they're just drawn to my attitude, I suppose. And I also engage with other people. So the people that I follow and the people that follow me that I might not follow, I still go down my um, followers from time to time. And I'll just look and see what they're posting um, and make comments because, you know, everybody wants to be Insta famous. But to somebody like me and to a lot of people, that's kind of a put off because we're all on the same playing field. It doesn't matter if you have one million followers or, you know, 20 followers because it's not about the quality. Excuse me. The quantity is about the quality. And but everybody is into big numbers, but I'm not. And plus, I'm just a human being, just like everybody else. So you can comment on somebody. If somebody says something, your, you know, feed respond back. That is how people remember you. They don't remember somebody who they made a a comment about and the person didn't even say thank you. Like, that's not how you build and make true connections with people. Yeah, I mean, half of social media is social. Exactly. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Speaking of that, of social stuff, you've got an event that's coming up pretty soon where you're going to be doing just that, right? Like reaching out more to the people that support you, your clients, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about Sky Soiree? Exactly. I have gone to a ton of networking events and they... uh... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's something more there, but no, keep going, keep going. Um, I've gone to a ton of networking events. Obviously, you have to go to networking events to get to meet people. You can't stay behind your computer forever and build your community. Some people do, but I know that I work well in person. So I go to networking events to connect with people. And I have found that several of them did not live up to what the advertisement boasted, mm-hmm. even so far as getting to meet the person that's hosting the event. If I'm taking the time to come out to someone's event, I do want to meet who the person is, you know, say hi, 
know, take a selfie, you know, just network. But that has not been the case. In a lot of the events that I've gone to, I've been, I can have a story or two, but just, I'm not using the word mistreat is too heavy of a word, but just kind of tossed to the side, like, yes, we emailed, but when I meet you, you don't know who I am. So just that type of stuff, you know, as a woman, when you go out to networking events, you have hair, nails, outfit, babysitter, like just a whole bunch of stuff. So when you go to somebody's event and they're putting you to the side, it's like, no, this you is wasted not- all of this to go out, exactly. you know, that kind of thing. And that's what I wanted to minimize. That's what I wanted to eliminate when it comes to networking. And not only that, I want to get people in the room and help them to meet each other, not just stand around and talk to who you came with or, you know, somebody that you saw someplace else, but actually have activities where people can connect, where they can really get to know who's in the room so they can start building their building their businesses and networks and actually follow up when it comes to, you know, giving somebody your business card, not just giving them your business card to crickets and you don't hear from them anymore. So Scottsboray is that all in one. So it's a creative cocktail mixer with speed networking where there is food and drinks and music. So it's like a party, but it's a networking event as well. So there's a professional and a fun side and we're all equal. We're all on the same playing field. Yes, we're organizers and yes, we have a VIP section, but it's not to separate any of the guests from each other. It's really just Mm -hmm. to give like this broad experience where people will remember it. They'll tell their friends and and just grow their business through it. Yeah, I have been to so many networking events where I've traded time for business cards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. I like the fact that you're designing this kind of event to make sure that people are actually talking with each other and not just, you know, talking past each other or, or anything like that. Is this the first event like this that you're putting on? Yes. And my event designer, she actually, she keeps saying this is the first event like this ever in this area. And I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how accurate that is. Excuse me, but she's one of those people that, a hundred percent believes in me and everything that we're doing. So she's like my hype man. <laughs> so she'll say, you know, this is like the first event of this type ever. And with as much detail as I give to my clients, websites is as much detail as um, this event is going to have. And I'm actually gotten back to my um, DIY roots where we didn't outsource things for other people to make. We made everything. We're making okay. everything. I'm not going to reveal too much of the secret. She wants us to keep it under wraps, but I used to be a maker um, when I was younger. I used to sew um, clothes for my dolls. And so, and I haven't done that in a long time, but just getting back to me using my hands beyond typing on a keyboard is, is kind of sparking my creativity in other areas too. It's having me think about my business as a whole in a different way. And, Even getting back to my roots when I started college, I wanted to be an interior designer. But at the time, that occupation wasn't really viable. I didn't know any interior designers. I had no idea. So during this process of Sky Soiree is opening up another aspect of my personality and my passions that I have wanted to explore and think help 
moving me to think about Scott Media Group in a different way and possibly adding event styling to everything else because that's the next level, right? Mm -hmm. You have your brand identity, so you need a launch. You, You just have a new website. You need a launch, but how are you going to launch it? You need the that event you need to give your customers that brand experience that's next level type stuff having these brand experiences so that's what Scott Swery has me thinking about because nice. it's really an extension of my brand my brand has two different sizes like this really simple black and white type of aesthetic because I think of it Scott Media Group is like this blank slate and my clients their businesses are what gives my business color. So if you go to my website, it's black and white, and it might have a pop of blue. But the only other the only other color that you see is from my clients' brands, and that is how my business. That's how I think of my business. So with the event, it's like this real, you know, chic um, side. But then it's like this really creative side. So we have two different rooms. One that's like this chic, you know, cocktail mixer type side, and then the creative area that that we're com- we're going to open up to, so that's the brand experience that Sky Media Group is given through this event. Do you have like a, a dream project that you would love to work on, or or is Sky Soiree kind of that dream project? I do think that Sky Soiree is that dream project because it kind of encompasses everything. So it's the networking side of really showing appreciation for people that have supported you and that come out to your events and not and not making them feel bad or worthless for coming to this event. So saying, you know, saying thank you. We even made thank you gifts, you know, for all the guests and of course VIPs, they have a different type of gift. But just saying thank you, like I think that appreciation is really lacking when it comes to business. So mm. it's that side of it. And then it's the side of just um, using my hands again, creating everything that that guests will see, the, the centerpieces, the signage, the furniture. Then we're going to have this this techie side of it, too. I um, mean, this social, especially since people love social media, they love, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, all that. So we're going to add that in it, too. So it's kind of everything in one. And so next year when we do it, it's going to be completely different but it is still it's going to be designed completely different but it's still going to be an extension of the sky media group brand it's like looking at your business through in pieces and Mm -hmm. putting out a size of your personality and your business that you want people to see of course you can't throw everything in the mix so you just give people pieces of your brand at a time is there any kind of particular you know business advice that has stuck with you the longest? Because you, you say you've been in business now for <laughs> seven years. Yes. Which is, which is great. I mean, I think when a lot of people just start out, it's about kind of getting to that five-year mark. And then once you cross the five-year mark, it's like, okay, how do I really keep this going? What's some business advice that stuck with you over this time? Uh, this is a double-edged sword because as much as I would prefer for clients not to do things themselves, the one thing that my mother always told me that I, that me and my sister, we always, cause she's a business owner too. I helped her to get her business started and she's still in business for herself to this day. But our mother used to always tell us if you want something done right, do it yourself. Okay. And so to me, that means that 
while you can hire people to do things, while you can work with other people to do things, the vision still has to be yours. It, it still has to be um, original to your um, initial vision. So you can, they can interpret things for you, but it still has to be yours. So it does take a, it's about control in a way. And I've been told that I'm like obsessive and kind of controlling when it comes to things. But when you're a creative person, it's like everything is your baby. And in my case, it just has to be done my way. Now, even though I, I collaborate with people to do things, the people that I usually collaborate with are my clients and they have a lot of room to, to put their business goals into everything. But I do have to give, you know, my clients from time to time pep talks about just integrating certain things. And I don't think those are pep talks that anybody else can give them but me. So I don't outsource something like that and say, you know, you can do the strategy for this client and I'll do the design. The one-on-one that I have with them is something that I couldn't give to anybody else. And to me, that's the right way. So I've, so and even with Scott like I'm working with my event designer and we both have like these really strong personalities, but she understands where I'm coming from with things. So even though we, you know, we squabble a bit over details, I still hold true to that. If you don't want something done right, do it yourself type of mentality. I don't give stuff away to people or have somebody else interpret a vision for me. I have to interpret it on my own. Right, because I think that also ties into what you said earlier about how when people are attracted to your business or attracted to your brand, it's attracted to them seeing you and what you're doing. <laughs> so having that personal element be a part of everything that you do with your business is really important. Right, exactly, exactly. A lot of what you've mentioned throughout this interview, I think, has sort of come down to this core element of community. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned earlier, when you started your business, you wish you had this community to tap into now you you sort of have that even this event that you're putting on in a way is helping you know the community out by mm-hmm. giving them sort of an alternate type of a a networking event yes how is the i guess the design and and tech community there in baltimore or at least how has it been for you how would you describe that i am i moved here from prince george's county and dc of course is the hub of activity on that side of town baltimore it's really an untapped resource when it comes to creativity. Baltimore, they had the light show out here, I think, last weekend or the um, the weekend before last. Baltimore has so many creative pockets and neighborhoods and groups and clubs and businesses. And it's really underestimated because if you're from Washington, D.C., you only come out to Baltimore for the harbor and for the casino. That's it. And so a lot of Baltimore folks go out to D.C. for everything, which is fine. But and I mean, I'm just one person, but my event is in Columbia. So it's like Columbia, Maryland. So it's right in the middle. So it's my attempt to draw, you know, D.C. folks out here, too. And also Baltimore folks, of course, you know, we go to, to, to Columbia. So that's not a big deal. But I want to. You know, even one by one kind of bridge that gap, that creative gap, because Baltimore has so many, so much creativity and history. And it's, and it's an 
it is an eccentric crowd. And I think that people get turned off by because of what they hear on the news or, Mm. you know, things like that. But that's not all Baltimore has to offer. And, you know, I'm a Baltimore implant. So I see I've. You know, I, I live here now and I've been on the other side, so I, I definitely see what the difference is. And I think another thing about Baltimore, Baltimore, people are, they're laid back, they're open to talk. They can mix and mingle in different types of groups. And then they have Micah down here too. So that's mm. like the, the big art school. And so they're just like mm. a lot of like, you know, hip creatives down here. It sounds like with a lot of the stuff that you're doing, the it almost feels to me like this is what you were born to do. Was was creativity kind of a big part of your childhood and everything growing up? Yes, because I didn't have anybody to play with. I'm a middle child. My brother is 10 years older than me. My sister is 10 years younger than me. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so that would get right. So that was like a big part. And I, I didn't have anybody to play with. I had my Barbie dolls that I made clothes for. I wrote stories. And my mom was a um, single parent, too. So even though we had different family members and things like that come around, I still played by myself. Mostly I had to entertain myself. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't remember having a TV in my room. Nope. I didn't have a TV in my room. We didn't have cable. There were no Mm -hmm. cell phones. There was no social media. So I had to, I, I, I read a lot of books. I made my Barbie clothes. One friend that I did have once I started getting older one summer, we decided to um, sell peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and lemonade to people. <laughs> yeah, and out of like my mother's closet in the, in the house. Like it was just like a crazy time. And I think we <laughs> made like $50 that summer. I think I was like 10 or something. I don't remember how old I was. But yeah, so that was my little first taste of like making my own money. So, you know, I was like, I can do this. And so I just had to come up with different things. I had like a big imagination so I just had to just be creative about what I was going to do with my playtime. Are there any other kind of designers or brands out there that you really admire? I would imagine you know you probably do a fair amount of research and and even just kind of checking out what other brands and stuff are doing. It is and I check out brands for different reasons. So for instance when it comes to buying my clothes I don't like to get things that other people get. So I've searched far and wide for pieces that I really, really love. So I love Misguided US. I get a lot of my stuff from there. And their website is, is really uh, hip and chic and it's always changing. They have different themes on their website for the season. Of course, I admire the brands of the ones that I create. I like a few celebrity brands, Evelyn Lazada, Aisha Curry, Tammy Roman. Okay. I like the reality show. That's like my guilty pleasure. But <laughs> so far it's in my community. I have my design mentor, Crystal Rory of Chris Did It. Oh yeah. I'm familiar with yes, her. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's very helpful, very helpful. So it's very humble, low key type of designer. I, I think I'm drawn to, to, not really like undiscovered, but like people and brands that are not like all in your face, even though, even though we're reality stars, of course, they're all in your face. I mean, that's their persona, mm-hmm. but people that, you know, might not have high numbers, but they're like doing big work on the low ski. Like you just, 
they would have never come up on your radar had you not seen a piece that they that they've done and once you see it, you're like oh my goodness where's this person been you know yeah. i like those type of people are there any other kind of mentors that you've had besides crystal i have a pr mentor and when i say mentor it's um I have conversations with people. So I'll have, you know, questions and I'll call them up. I have um, my PR mentor from Elan Media Group, Reva. I'll, you know, talk to her about certain things PR related and she'll say, you know, no or yes. I like the idea. Crystal, of course. But beyond that, uh, I don't really have any mentors. I I did go to B-School, Marie Folio's B-School a few years ago. So she, she, I can definitely consider her a mentor, but after, you know, taking her class, I kind of turned what I learned and made it work for my business. So not trying to copy what she did or what other people do, but just kind of took it as my own. So I have conversations with people, but I don't necessarily have too many people that I follow or like listen to to give me mm-hmm. advice about my own business because I still like things to be intuitive. I do read books. I look at magazines. I have conversations with my clients and would-be clients because I'm trying to target them and create things for them. Yeah. And I really consider like every experience a learning experience, even bad experiences. I consider them learning experiences. So and in a way, it's it's I kind of I'm not going to say mentor myself because it sounds so just egotistical. But, but it's it's true. I mean, I mean, because yeah, I mean, because that's what it is. It's kind of like self learning, I guess. Yeah, I mean, as as business owners, and and I think that's something that is kind of underestimated when folks start their own businesses. Like you are the core of everything, right? So you have to, in, in some kind of way build up your own level of like motivational things mm-hmm. and coping mechanisms oh, yeah. and all this stuff. So there's nobody else at the end of the day it's you and your business oh yeah exactly so you kind of have to be that person that inspires yourself yes exactly and you have to motivate yourself too because i used to work full-time i don't anymore mm-hmm. um and i started my business working full-time in a law firm so my my career job has always been this complete opposite of having sky media group and I don't work full time anymore. I tried it. They don't like me there. I keep, getting, <laughs> I keep getting fired, even though I do the work. But I, I guess they want somebody that's like 100 percent dedicated to them and their mission. Yeah. But when I have my own business, I can work for you, but I can't be 100 percent dedicated to your mission. Right. So I have my own schedule and I'm raising a teenage daughter. So my schedule can be, you know, up and down. You know, one day, one day I'll get up at six, one day I'll get up at 11. So you really have to be self-motivated. And I don't get calls from people telling me to get up and work. Like that's most days, like most days I will go an entire day with talking to no one. I love those days personally. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly where where you're coming from there. And even saying that I thought I was going to sound so creepy, but... (laughs) There are days, except my daughter. And, you know, as teenagers, they don't really talk to you anyway. I mean, my, you know, she's like very outgoing, but she's a teenager. I mean, come on. So I will talk to nobody. And those days, 
are like like you said some of the best days because I can like sit in my own creative and just like stew mm-hmm. just stew and think and then I can do the things that I want to do but you still have to be, be motivated because you can spend a whole week slacking off and nobody's gonna you know check you that you need to get on schedule except your clients and you don't want your clients to check you so right. you have to be self-motivated and I don't have time to like listen to everything, everything that everybody else is saying. There are only a few podcasts that I listen to while I'm working and, and I'll take notes, you know, while I'm working, listening to podcasts and taking notes. But I don't listen to everything. I don't get sucked in yeah. everything, every trend, every fad, every social media. I'm still not on Snapchat. I don't want to be on Snapchat. So, you know, we as creative people. We definitely have to not be overstimulated by so much that's going on and really design intuitively and from the gut. What do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing Sky Media Group? Probably still working at the law firm. I liked it there. I liked the people there. I would probably just, I would still be at, at, at the law firm. No, you mentioned you're you're raising a teenage daughter as well. Is she kind of wanting to follow in your footsteps with what you're doing? I wish she would, but <laughs> <laughs> I wish she would because I've tried to train her on a few things, and she's just like, I, I don't want to do this. She actually wants to be a missionary, so she wants to yeah, okay. she wants to travel to different um, countries and teach people about the Bible. You know, that's what our religion does, and. She, but she doesn't want to do that. She knows how to do makeup really well. She says she doesn't want to own her own business, even though I, I cannot understand it for the life of me. But that's, you know, she, she, she she's going to do her own thing anyway. So, <laughs> Well, just to kind of, you know, wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about Sky Media Group and your work and everything online? My website, skymediagroup.com, and that's Sky with an E at the end. There's a link to Sky Soiree from that website. I'm also on Instagram at Sky Media Group. I am on Facebook at Sky Media Group Design. I'm on Twitter as I am Sky Media, and I'm on LinkedIn as Tony Patterson. So I'm online. All right. Sounds good. Well, Tony Patterson, thank you again so much for coming on the thank show. You. For people that are listening, I mean, I've known Tony and her work for a long oh. time. Actually, I think you, I think what I mentioned before, like you reached out to Revision Path I a few did. years ago because you were like, you're like the contact form is broken <laughs> and and y'all need to fix that. And I was like, oh, thank you because I mean, because I do so much stuff with Revision Path, and as you know, sometimes you can get so in the weeds with your business, you don't know every little yeah. thing that's happening, and if it's working at capacity, you hope mm-hmm. it is. But it's good for someone to come and be like, oh, well, you need to you need to work on that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but I mean, since then, I've, I've kept up with your work. There actually have been other guests that have said you should have Tony come on the show and talk about no, what she does. Didn't. So I, I No, think, they didn't. No, they have. They I, they seriously have. There's been about three uh-huh. or four people that have. I kid you not. So I think a lot of what you have to say really about branding is important. And, and I, I really – like that the power of community is such an important kind of integral part of what you do and, and about your business. It's not just about churning out something that looks good. If it looks good, of course, I think that's a good kind of secondary benefit, but it's important. It's really important to you that 
you know, the customer like it and that you and, and the client have that relationship. And so I'm excited to see where Sky Soiree goes. Hopefully there'll be, I mean, if you want to, there'll be Sky Soirees across the country. Like <laughs> and uh, we'll see kind of where, where Sky Media Group goes in the future. But no, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I thank appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. I appreciate you. Thoughts of love are And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Tony Patterson and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Tony and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Facebook invests in design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests itself in a number of different ways, such as showing how internal design critiques work at Facebook, sharing resources about VR and other cutting-edge tech, and by giving away great tools and resources like Origami Studio, popular device templates for Photoshop and Sketch, and even diverse hands for mock-ups. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 15 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to grow sales and make money in their sleep. You know, MailChimp has really grown from being just an email service provider to becoming your one-stop place for marketing your entire business. So aside from sending email, it ties into hundreds of other services like Hootsuite for social media, Zapier for other integrations, Salesforce as a CRM, Eventbrite if you're selling tickets, whole lot of integrations here. Get everything you need all in one place and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp, send better email. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domains. With free private domain registration and your choice of domains across all the 400 plus domain extensions out there, how can you turn that down? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Since 2004, SiteGround has been empowering web professionals and beginners alike to build better, faster, safer websites easily without having to worry about hosting. Visit siteground.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you liked this episode, please do me a huge favor. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a minute or two. It really helps the show by bumping us up in the rankings for design podcasts. It helps more people find out about the show. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us at yepitslunch.com for all your design, strategy, and creative consulting needs. And if you like the work that we're doing here with Revision Path, then please consider becoming a monthly patron. You know, now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. Pledge level start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, about upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.